You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. I wound up one time, so I, I, was, I flew to Trinidad, and I was preaching in Trinidad for a whole week, which, speaking of fried chicken, Trinidad's got some good fried chicken. I don't know what it is. The Trinidadians are like, give us that fried chicken. And what do they call those things? Doubles. That's all they eat. They literally just eat fried chicken and doubles. <laughs> Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, and sh- uh, bacon shark or whatever. Shark and bake. Shark and bacon shake? Whatever. <laughs> shark and bake. Bake, bark, and bark. No, not bark. Shark and bake. Bacon shark? Bacon shark. I knew it's like, I always want to say it the opposite way. It's like fried shark with slaw on it. It's really, really good. Anyways, I went to Trinidad, and I flew through Panama, and I had a, a weird layover coming back. I was the first week in Trinidad. I was going to have a six-hour layover in Panama, which is a long layover. Anybody travel international? It's miserable. And so I tweet when I landed, in back when I used to tweet, I don't ever tweet anymore. I don't care about social media. <laughs> But I tweeted, landed in Panama, finally found somewhere sunnier than Florida. And it's just the adventure of serving the Lord. Someone messages me that I didn't know who they were and said they, they're from Panama. Their apostle was there, had a big church. Would I be willing to meet with him? And I was like, well, I have a layover next Saturday. Keep in mind, I don't have a ticket to Panama. I have a ticket to Trinidad via Panama. Well, flying back from Trinidad after a week of revival... I land in the, in the Panama airport, walk through customs, get picked up in a brand new Cadillac Escalade, driven to downtown, get breakfast, a latte, a croissant, and then go to a mega church. And in the mega church, on that Saturday morning, they were having, there was 1,500 people gathered fasting from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. I mean, the place was packed. It was a mega church. They had a huge commercial kitchen, everything. And they were like, the apostle is not here yet, but he'll meet with you soon. And they took me right to the stage. I don't have a ticket there. I'm flying through. I'm dressed like I'm flying. You know what I'm saying? I got sneakers on, ripped jeans and a button-up shirt, and all these people are dressed in suits and ties. I didn't even have a ticket to Panama. Now I'm standing on the stage of a mega church. And then they're like, the apostle said he wants you to preach. I, didn't even, I haven't even met the guy. I don't even know his name. And I butchered anyways because it's in Spanish. 1,500 people. I'm dressed like I'm flying. It's a st- I'm, I don't have a ticket here. I grab the microphone. I start preaching. The power of God just erupts in this place. Pe- the people started running forward to the altar and just had like a praise break. Because I, I preached about that when David, um, t- the Bible says he took two steps, I think. Or three steps, something like that, before he stopped, once he got the Ark of the Covenant, he only took three steps, and then the Bible says, then he stopped and he began to praise the Lord. And I was like, man, sometimes in life, you just got to stop what you're doing and just praise the Lord. I feel that right now. I feel a praise break up in this place. Hey! Come on, son! Jesus! (laughs) (laughs) hallelujah my God is a great big God and a great big God is my God 
He's bigger than any mountain. He's stronger than any hilltop. He's the best of the best, the cream of the crop. And he's my father and he's watching over me. He calls me his own. His spirit is on the inside of me. His word is my lamp. He goes ahead of me. He makes the crooked path straight. Hey! Jesus. <laughs> so I preached that message. People came running out. I remember one lady dancing until she fell out. And then I turned around, and there was the apostle. He looked like something straight out of the Godfather. He had the suspenders on, the sweet tie, and he was like, mm. That guy prayed for me. They called him Sopla de Dios. Is that right? Soblo. Soblo de Dios. Blow with a P. Yeah, P. That's what I said the first time. Soplo. <laughs> Which means what? Breath of God? Because when he was in his early 30s, the Lord, he was a businessman. God showed up in his living room. Told him, I've called you to preach the gospel to your nation. So he rented a roadside at the highest, most expensive, bougie area of Panama where there was palm trees down the road and he put a stage right smack dab in the road. They locked down the road and opening night he got up to preach and he just opened up to declare that the Lord was, that had called him. And when he said the Lord called him, a breath of wind, wind came from behind the stage and literally shook palm trees down the road and miracles just started popping. He was in his 30s. That's how God started his ministry. He was called the breath of God. That's what they called him. I never even knew the guy. And he was like, I'll pray for you. So he prayed for me. I promise you, even if I was standing against the wall, I'd have fallen through the wall. It was like a train hit me. Just a genuine, sweet, sweet man. I don't know what he said. It was all in Spanish, but I know what he did. And it was life-changing. Serving the Lord is an adventure. Come on. If you are bored, may God awaken adventures in your life once more. May you have supernatural, Holy Ghost, divine assignments even this week. If you believe it will happen, say amen. amen. Starting a series for the next three Sundays before we go to one service. I will encourage everybody for October outpouring. We're not doing this just to have meetings. There is literally a word that the Lord has been putting in my spirit for, I mean, it's nearly been a year if I really think about it. Over and over, I've been, I've been growing. Now that I'm 40, I've grown in discipline. Amen. Aged a decade overnight. And so used to, when I was younger, I'd have shot this thing right out, just half cocked, ready to go. But now I've really been chewing and prepping for October outpouring of a word that I'm going to release that has to do specifically with the River Claremont, but also globally as the church in this hour. I encourage everybody not to miss a night. I got to thinking about that. The stewarding of hunger is of so, such importance. Because spiritual hunger, you know, I, I have everybody, who, who in here, pinch your arm. That's your flesh. You know what your flesh does? It gets stinky. Anybody's flesh gets stinky? It gets tired. It wants to eat all the time. And then once you feed it, it wants to go into a food coma. Especially if you eat fried food. 
But everybody knows fried food tastes best. No, but even as, the, as a preacher and when I was a traveling minister, there would be times that I'm supposed to preach and I don't want to go to church. And I would feel tired. I'm talking, I remember we driving and you're like, man, I need, I'm so tired. But I would show up and obviously I showed up because I'm the preacher. But the presence of God would be so strong on the nights that I didn't want to go. That I, it became so regular reoccurring that we, me and my wife began to realize. It's almost like when the flesh wants to shut down and be tired is the, what the thing you've got to press past for the greatest encounters. The moment you cater to that fleshliness of, well, I'm just going to go, I need a nap all the time and get out of the presence of God, you lose something. And I began to think of the stewarding of hunger. Because I, if you're physically exhausted, but you're starving, it's almost like you can't sleep till you feed yourself. Because the gnawing in your belly, you're like, man, I'm going to go eat a peanut butter and jelly, and then I'll go to bed. But I can't eat. You lay down and you're like, I can't sleep. I'm too hungry. you got to have a spiritual hunger that's greater than the fatigue of the flesh. So that you press past the flesh, like Christ said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I think in this hour, we got to grow as a church and then as individuals to recognize my flesh does not get to govern my hunger levels. I'm going to stir up my hunger for God and I'm going to press past. Even times I feel tired, I'm showing up in the place because I know that in those moments, God has something and he'll meet me there. If you believe it, shout amen. So I encourage everybody, come out for October outpouring. It's going to be a glorious time. For the next three Sundays, I'm doing a series. Obviously, they put it up there. Thanks, guys, for spoiling the surprise. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. On faith, hope, and love. When I, uh, at September 14th of 2014, was my birthday, but it was also, I was preaching in Malabar, Florida. And that was the day I asked the Lord for the vision of the River Claremont. Give me a vision for the church. And also that, that was the day that the Lord spoke to me, my first series to preach, Faith, Hope, and Love, these three. And I wrote notes down over, that's like eight years ago, that I never actually used or preached because I started on spiritual maturity and just went from there. Throughout the years, I've definitely hit this subject, but it was like the first series God really laid on my heart as coming in as a pastor to declare and so we're, for the next three Sundays, I'm just going to do that, starting today in chronological order, we're going to be talking about faith, amen? Faith is probably my favorite subject to preach about. I love the subject of faith. It excites me immensely. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. In the Amplified Classic, it says, And so faith, hope, and love abide or live, faith being the conviction and belief respecting man's relation to God and divine things, hope being a joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation, and love being true affection for God and man, growing out of God's love for us and in us. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Obviously, we'll get to love, but the greatest is love because love is eternal and never ends. Faith will basically come to an end when you're walking on streets of gold. Hope is totally fulfilled when you're standing in the presence of the Lord, but love is constantly renewed and constantly poured out. So the greatest is love. 
Today, as we talk about faith, I'm going to talk about the subject of understanding faith. And the first thing regarding understanding faith is faith doesn't change regardless of high times or low times. It's important to realize as a born-again believer that if you're going to operate in faith, it's not in, you don't, your faith doesn't change or alter based upon the degree of response or the amount of support you have or anything like that. That whether it is feast or famine, as Paul wrote, he learned to be content, whether he was thriving or barely surviving, whether he was a base or a bound, regardless of physical things or things coming back into my life where I'm prospering, it doesn't alter my faith. Now I want you to grab that because, yes, God can prosper you. The foundation of faith is to believe, number one, that God is. Do you believe in the Lord? Faith is believing in God and in His Word. Then believing that He rewards those that diligently seek Him. I believe that. I believe in His character. I believe in the truth. One of the rewards He gives you when you seek Him is His righteousness over your unrighteousness. Come on, somebody. Which changes every aspect of your life so that you can boldly approach the throne of grace. So there's that realm of faith. But faith in itself doesn't change based upon the fact that, man, there's more involved or there's greater success. Faith is just faith saying, I believe the word of the Lord. If you're starting, the Bible talks about uh, small beginnings or, or, or don't despise those days. If you start anything new, it can most likely start very small. But what it winds up with, up to be, entirely depends upon your faith. But if you start something small and put small effort into it, it will remain small. But if you start something small, but by faith see it as something big, and put every aspect you can into it, God will grow that thing on your behalf. Faith doesn't change regardless of high times or low times. There's times in my life where it's like when we started in the, in the traveling ministry, we didn't know anybody, we didn't have anything, we were literally dead broke with nowhere to go, living in an Impala with not a house or a roof over our heads, no paycheck coming in, and nothing but America before us, and a phone to call people and basically try not to beg, but beg to come preach. And that's pretty small, and I remember early days, you're talking, the, you'd preach third, third, I remember I was at a church, and they said, how long you been in the... The ministry, brother, we're so glad to have you because we really sold ourselves on the phone, you know. How long you been in the ministry? This is week number three. And the pastor was like, and he just walked away like, great, what have I done? And it was a glorious night, amen. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. You avoid the subject as much as possible. How long you been in the ministry? Yeah, long enough. In the chasm of time, what is time? (laughs) But then we we watched the Lord grow it. And it was nice to watch things grow. To see a calendar, to have somewhere to go. To have, you know, friends you were acquiring. And and like, oh, we'll come back next year. Praise God. Got somewhere to go next year. It's looking up. 
And then I remember two years in, the first time we were invited anywhere. And what a blessing it was to feel wanted in the body of Christ after feeling unwanted for many years. And so then, you know, faith doesn't change based upon high times or low times. I'm running the call with the race. I'm doing what God called me to do. I'm going to keep doing this thing in, until the Lord tells me to do something else because I'm locked in. And we get this invitation. Praise God. I'm going. So I tell people I finally got invited. You know what they told me? Don't go. You know how many people will warn you in ministry not to do something? If you don't work with anybody in ministry because someone warns you about them, you'll not work with anybody. The whole body of Christ is full of people that warn each other. We all feel like that's our spiritual gifting. You know, I'm not the one to do the work, but I'm the one to come and warn everybody about who not to do the work with. I know things, brother. He seems shifty. Everybody's shifty. You all have a flesh. You know what I'm saying? We all thank God for his righteousness, for his grace, for his mercy, for repentance, for altar calls. I had to go to my own altar call sometimes. You're in here right now and you're battling with just unforgiveness. Why'd the preacher have to go there? This is awkward. Up in your own altar call. Someone lead me in a prayer, please. I got to let, let this person go. And so they warned me not to go. Now I'm like, oh man, like I finally got invited and I'm not supposed to go. But I went. Amen. And I'm glad I went because now we got Aaron and JC and Kaylin and little Jordan and John and Patty and Tammy and Dwayne all from that week. I hadn't went, half our staff wouldn't be here. It's crazy. Now, those were small times. You're talking about going to a church that was 20 people. But you look at it, and you're like, it's 20 people. What's it matter? I could have said no. But it's God's timing. It's the fact that faith doesn't look at this. That's why it doesn't change regardless of high times or low times. Stays locked in. I'm just going to do what God told me to do. I'm going to see this thing through to completion. The Bible says in Romans, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it's written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all of these things, say in all these things. In all what things? Well, we just went through it. Nakedness, peril, sword, famine, persecution, distress, tribulation. I mean, we're talking about serious things, not just someone disliked your post on Facebook. Right? Not just someone said, you know, they didn't like your whatever. We're talking about serious things. In all of these things, you are considered more than a conqueror. I remember hearing a preacher one time define more than a conqueror. He put it this way, there was a great boxer that trained and worked hard his whole life. His name was Muhammad Ali. Obviously float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, an absolute victor in every aspect. Trained hard, even his daughter trained hard, became a great boxer by the discipline that he showed. He won many, many, many fights and made a lot of money. And every time he came home, he brought that money home to his wife and she determined what to spend it on. So he was a conqueror. But she was more than a conqueror. <laughs> Amen. Well, that's literally how it is for us. Christ 
did all of the work and all the heavy lifting and won us every victory and every gift. That's why I'm more than a conqueror. Come on. I didn't even go fight the battle. He fought the battle, but I get to reap the rewards. I'm more than a conqueror. Jesus, y'all ain't getting that. All right. I'm going to stir this. Where's my hungry crowd at? Look at your neighbor and just go. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> what are we training here at the river? <laughs> Unbelievable. Your hunger level is despicable. I'm at least three times as hungry as you. It's not about a competition, but everything's about a competition. <laughs> it's not about winning, but I'd like to win, God. It's interesting, though, but faith, you've got to understand the consistency is what I'm talking about. That whether I've had times when, when it was evident that the Lord was with us, and so many friends come, much excitement comes, buzz comes, you feel support, you feel all these things with you, and then I've had seasons or times when everything looked bad, to where friends were scarce, they disappeared, people withdrew their hand and their you know, eyes, just in case you had leprosy. Like you're contaminated, you know, you don't, don't associate with them. We don't know what's going on over there. And ultimately, when you boil down whatever you're doing, Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, you just have to approve your ministry. That goes to every aspect of life. If you're moving in faith, you just have to approve it, and ultimately the fruit will begin to reveal itself. But people step back and watch. And so I've had the seasons when everybody feels like you got an army. You've had the seasons when you only have the Lord. And in that, faith is consistent. You just keep going. Come on. Because if it was always about a crowd, then why did, God keep, why did Jesus keep sending the crowd away? It's not always about the crowd. It's about just staying faithful to what the Father in heaven tells you to do. And whether that draws a crowd or runs the crowd off, it doesn't matter. You stay consistent. High times, low times, abundance, barely getting by, you are well supplied through Christ's sufficiency. If you believe it, shout Amen. There is breakthrough, but you got to stay with it. Understanding faith, too, is that faith or fear is a feeling, but faith is not. Fear is a feeling. Faith is not. When they were in the boat and they were going through the storm, they woke Jesus up. And he said in Luke chapter 8, he said to them, why are you so fearful? Luke 8, 25, where is your faith? Look at your neighbor and say, where's your faith? Your trust or your confidence in me, in my veracity and in my integrity. But they were seized with alarm and profound and reverent dread. That's fear. Fear is a feeling that comes upon you. Now listen, we can all get fancy and hear how fear is false evidence appearing real. Who in here has ever thought an anacronym really changed your world? Exactly. None of us. It's all fun. It's all witty. But at the end of the day, what does that do? False evidence appearing real. I understand what they're saying. It is powerful and it is true. But if you're going to move in faith, you're going to learn this. That there is always an aspect of your flesh being afraid. Fear is a feeling, but faith is not. I'm not going to be led by my feeling of fear. 
I'm going to be led by my faith in the consistency of God. I'm going to rise up. I'm going to trust His Word. And I'm not going to let my flesh dominate me with thoughts of dread or ending my life or failure or what will people think. Fear goes on all the time in this world. It's an aspect of what you focus on. And ultimately, fear is just faith in the wrong thing. Fear is putting faith in your natural resources and not in the presence of God. And so then fear arises when your natural resources are not big enough to take care of the problem that's standing in front of you. Right? But it's learning. You can't let fear, you can't let feelings dominate your life. Too many people, they run their race and it's always about a feeling. You know, years ago, we went to South Africa with my father-in-law. And while I was there, we broke out in revival. You've heard the stories, 50 days of glory, thousands of people were coming in. One day, I'm at, the, I'm at the testimony booth, the table, where we take testimonies before the service. And a man walked up with a black duffel bag. And he put the black duffel bag on the, on the table. He said, my name's Peter. Where do I take this? And he unzipped it. And it was literally full of over a hundred thousand dollar, uh, over a hundred thousand rand, or thousands, hundreds of thousands, because the exchange rate was sixteen to one, and I know it worked out to like forty thousand U.S. dollars. So uh, whatever that math is, somebody do it. I don't do math publicly. <laughs> Amen. Every time I do, I wind up really badly, and I'm actually clever. <laughs> and I remember looking at the cash. I'd never seen that much cash. I mean, it was like a drug deal. You know what I'm saying? Like. Bro, get that away from me. That was my first reaction. You took that bag, you get away from me. I ain't getting shivved in the parking lot of the church because you brought a cake. You ever heard of a check? Wire transfer? This will get a man shot. Take it to someone else. It's their response. I'm taking testimonies. You have a testimony? Get out of here. And so anyways, Peter, what it was, was he owned a business that was like Randstad. It was a, a, a staffing agency. That's what they're called. And so he had a contract with all of South African Airways, literally tens of thousands of employees that worked for him, that he staffed multiple businesses, huge accounts. He was a millionaire in all accounts, took me shopping, said, buy any clothes you want to buy. I've never had that ever happen again in my life. And the guy just took me to the mall, every store, pick anything you want. Just wealthy guy. And as he was coming, Peter had a revelation. He was like, he learned soul winning. He loved soul winning. He was a millionaire, but now he's winning souls. And he, he has this revelation. I can hire people to go out and get a crowd assembled and bring them to me to preach the gospel. So he literally began to hire day laborers. And said, go out, grab a, get, get a crowd, five, ten people, bring them back to this street corner outside of my hotel. I'll be here from these hours. And when you bring the crowd, I'll pay you every time you bring somebody forward. You know, I'll preach the gospel to them. So literally, they're bringing people from all over town, walking up there. He's paying them for it and then preaching the gospel. People getting saved. And he's standing there. And it's between crowds. No one's with him. He's, he's outside of the hotel and he watches a man walk by dressed in a nice business suit with a briefcase. Looked like a professional man. Had his tie on, everything. And there was no special feeling or anything, but he'd just been preaching the gospel every day, all day. So he shouted at the man. 
said, sir, come here. And he just shared the love of God with him. He said, man, I just wanted you to know that God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. He's got a, whatever you, you, you need, God has. And so we prayed with the guy, led him to the Lord, then got him filled with the Holy Spirit. And the man looks at him and says, sir, I actually was a very successful businessman, banker, I think he said. I've just, I lost my job, my career. I was fired, let go. My wife left me. I've lost everything. I'm losing my home. He said, today I put on my best suit. I put on my, grabbed my briefcase and I was walking into this hotel to go to the roof and jump off and take my life because I felt like it was over. But he said, you, sir, have changed my life by preaching the gospel to me. And the guy thanked him and he hugged him and Peter was shook. Now, see, I say that to say this. People spend too much time thinking everything in the kingdom of God has a feeling attached to it. It's like moments like these, God must have to wake me up with a tingling of my left arm and a twitch in my right leg. And that's how I know <laughs> something divine is about to happen. We think it's always wrapped up in I hit my head. I saw the color green. The Lord said, would say unto me, get ready. Green is money. Money cometh. <laughs> it's all these things where we're always, it's got to be something, you know, it's, and if you really look at it, what happens when people get focused on a feeling, they get weird. And the weirder you get, they actually the less attractive you are to the lost. People see you, you don't understand it, you, but you're like bad breath. Everybody knows something's off with you, but you're the only one unaware of it. You're weird looking for feelings and goosebumps all the time. God will give you goosebumps, sure. Cold weather will give you goosebumps. A breeze will give you goosebumps, right? If it's all about a goosebump, we'll crank down the air in here and we'll have a Holy Ghost time. <laughs> Woo! You feel that? Let's all go stand in a freezer and just get full. It's not about a feeling. The kingdom of God is not just feelings. It's being led by the Spirit on the inside. It's being consistent. He is who He says He is. He does what He says He does. And if I would open my mouth and allow the Lord to use me today, something supernatural can happen. I don't need a dream. I don't need a vision. But if you give it to me, I still will be obedient to that thing. But too many people are waiting for a special feeling. Even in the sense of oh, leading someone to the Lord, I don't feel led. That's like, you know what that equates to? It's a commandment. Say commandment. You know what a commandment is, right? That's like an authoritative do this thing. It's like when you tell your kids to do the dishes. What if they turned around and said, I don't feel led? Oh, you're going to feel something. Close your eyes. Get ready to receive. A great feeling shall come upon you now. Now what do you feel? I feel motivated. That's what I thought. Yeah, we do that with the Lord. I don't feel led. Yeah, I don't know. If the Lord wanted me to do it, he would give me a feeling attached to it. Now, I'm not saying that feelings don't happen. There is the unction of the Holy Spirit the Bible talks about, that there's those deep inner things. It's like it, that God does lead by, 
But I'm saying if all you ever are led by is a feeling, you miss out on a major portion of the, of the kingdom of God. Fear is a feeling, but faith is not. Faith is just staying consistent, staying the course, and doing what God tells you to do. Amen. Where is your faith? But they were seized with alarm and profound and reverent dread. Feelings also ultimately come from thoughts. So the Bible says you can take authority over your thoughts. So if you think pure thoughts and take authority over impure thoughts, then you will wind up beginning to have good feelings from the kingdom of God. And that's good, isn't it? You're not meant to live your whole life feeling condemnation and just, un, you know, you're meant to feel girded up and strengthened by the Lord because your thoughts are focused on Him, which gives you a peace and a joy and an assurance of your salvation. Amen. So if your feelings are not on your side, I promise you it's because you're letting your thought life dominate and take authority over that. How do I take authority? Number one, with the Word. It is the Word that cuts through the fluff and gets to the stuff. Get the Word imprinted in your heart. Do not let meditate on it day and night until the Word is the plumb line of your life and you're declaring it over circumstances, things going on, till you begin to change your feelings by changing your thoughts. Are you with me right now? That's a freebie. That's not the message. But ultimately, that's where feelings come from. So you can take authority over your own thought life. Anybody in here ever had to do that before? Yeah, amen, absolutely, come on. That's part of maturing in the body of Christ. Is learning how to, okay, once I, uh, w- once I met the Lord, now it's my job to mature myself, grow to a, the stature of a grown man or woman of God that, that thinks the right thoughts so that I'm led to the right places. Also, faith understands that you are not God. Say that with me, say, I'm not God. There's rest attached to this. Knowing you're not the Lord. Not every problem is your problem. Come on. Not everything that goes on do you have to fix. we got people that try and fix every other person's life, but their own life is in shambles. You don't have to fix everybody's life. Trust the Lord. And every bona fide, genuine, undeniable miracle I have seen has always absolutely shown me this is God, this is not man. I felt, you know, you can fast, you can pray, you can, you can study the Word, you can grow, you can live righteously, but ultimately, when it comes down to it, faith understands I'm not God, He's God, and He will do great things. As Daniel eleven thirty two says, those that know their God will do mighty or great exploits in His name. People of faith are just people that know God, and so because they know God, He's with them and they give Him access to do what He does. You know, years and years ago, people, there, there was a, a family coming to the church that they said that, you know, they would love the Lord. They were serving God. They had multiple kids and the husband had to go into surgery. And when he went into surgery, it was lying on his back. He had to have disc replaced in his back. And so he was laying on his chest for hours in the surgery. And it's a very rare disorder that comes that the pressure of your chest plate can lead to paralysis. And so when he came out of the surgery, he was paralyzed. And um, there's basically very little they can do. Once that happens, most of the time you never get your feeling back. 
It's like a reverse paralyzation, I think, where you primarily are paralyzed from the waist up, not the waist down. And so he was paralyzed. Well, they asked me, they reached out, said, will you come pray for, for him? He's paralyzed in the hospital right here at South Lake. I went in there. I didn't feel anointed. I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything. I felt this, this, this sucks. Is it okay to say sucks? I mean, it sucks. Someone's paralyzed. Lord, please help this guy. And I'm going somewhere with this because we're talking about faith understands you're not God. And so I prayed for him. I didn't feel anything. Angels didn't sing. Breath of wind didn't come. There wasn't a fragrance that filled the place. No nurse fell out in the, in the parking lot. I mean, all those things we would love to see. You know what I'm saying? It's great that when you pray, someone's like, whoa! You're like, yeah. You know, and so that's what we really want. Like an organ or like a light to shine or something. Or them just instantly to be healed. And so I left after praying. And about a month goes by, and I hear he's healed, but he never came back. I forgot about it. I'm working out one day at the gym years later, and there's the man, Pastor Caleb, standing there, totally healed by the power of God, benches over 300 now. And I started talking to him, and where I'm going with this is this. In the midst of the paraly- being paralyzed, when I prayed for him, he said there was heat that hit his chest, but before that evening, he was starting to get sensation back in his hands. But it actually took about a month for him to gain all of his mobility back and he was healed. In the midst of that month, his marriage crumbled. His wife left him. So I say that because people think, well, if you, know, if you, if you live righteous, if you check off all the boxes, you're going to get a miracle. Because that's how it works. If you do everything God wants you to do, then God will do what you want Him to do. But God is God. I'm not God. I didn't feel anointed. I didn't feel anything. He got healed, but He didn't even come to church because He actually said He just felt ashamed that in the midst of when God did something great for Him, His marriage fell apart. God is God. Faith understands. There are many aspects of walking with God That leave you wondering, why did this person not get a miracle and this person got a miracle? Why did that person's life get cut short, but this person lived forever? You know what I'm saying? If you you understand that, think about it. I'm not God. If I was God, there would be people on planet Earth that disappeared. (laughs) They would, no more. You would be watching a White House press release and suddenly... Nothing would be there. I mean, if I was, if we were being honest here, if I was God, things would look different around here. People would be pillars of salt. I feel like I would empower some of my preachers with lightning where they could be like, ah. But we're starting to get into Star Wars there. Obviously, that's why I'm not God. I don't possess the character to, to walk in that much power. You know? Be like, ah. It's not the dark side when you're on the light. Ah. <laughs> don't act like you haven't thought it too. 
Faith understands I'm not God. I can, I can trust and obey. I can humble myself. I can love God and I can love people. I can lay hands on the sick according to his word and declare they shall be healed because that's what he told me to do. But at the end of the day, God is God and I'm not God. And I certainly pray, man, God, use me and use your church. But also I trust in the character of my father. He is trustworthy. If you believe it, say amen. amen. And when I first got saved, I shared this in the weekly broadcast this week in the sense of I got saved. I'm living in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, I was living on a couch. There was four of us in, a, in an apartment. And one night I'm fasting, I'm seeking the Lord. It's like the first time in my life I was really devouring the word where I recognized it's like meat to my spirit. I could feel strength entering my body like in, by the word of God. So I'd stay up hours of the night just consuming it. I couldn't, I couldn't let, I'd carried a Bible everywhere I went. It was before you version. And I'd just read the little Bible at work every moment I had a break. I was reading the word. And I remember it was like 2, 3 in the morning. I have to get up at 6, 6.30 or something like that for work. And, I, and I'm like, God, just give me one more word. And I turned to Psalm 127, verse 2, and it says, He gives His beloved sleep. And I was like, God, are you telling me to go to bed? And He was like, yes. Get some sleep. you got to go to work. You're fasting. You need strength. But the full verse, the, the, before that, it's where the Bible talks about, verse 1, 1 and, and Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Understanding that God is God is understanding the place of rest in faith. I rest in it. I don't war in faith. I rest in faith. That's understanding God is in control and great things will turn around. And the things I don't understand over time will be revealed to me, especially when the curtain is lifted and I'm stepping into his presence forevermore. Everything will make sense then, including who he allowed into what place, who he allowed into what office, what life was extended and what life was cut short. It will all make sense and it will all be perfect. I guarantee you that. If you believe it, shout amen. It will be perfect because God is perfect. Faith understands I'm not God. And from that, faith believes that God cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie because faith understands the very existence of the Creator, the authority, the Alpha, the one by which life itself sprung forth. Anything He declares, it will take place and it will be established. That's why He can't lie. If it's uttered, if He speaks it in a whisper, if He speaks it with a booming voice, if it's declared by God, it shall happen. Every time. And so that means sometimes it may take 400 years. With Abraham, I'm going to give your descendants all of this land. It took hundreds of years for that promise to be fulfilled. But God didn't say, I'm going to do it in a year. He just said, I'm going to do it. Anything you hear the Lord declare, He's going to do. I promise you, if it's in there, it's going to happen in the Word of God. But if God gives you a word specifically to your spirit... And he tells you this thing will happen in the next two months. Bet your life on it. God is not a man that he should lie. 
if he declares it and he tells you when it's going to happen, this thing shall happen in Jesus' name. You believe it, say amen. amen. Faith knows my God can't lie. If he says it to me and only me, but it's him that says it, that's enough. It'll happen. It'll happen, which goes back to step number one. Faith doesn't change regardless of high times or low times, small beginnings or big accomplishments. Faith is moving on the word of the Lord. He said it. This will happen. Watch it happen in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Are you confident in the Lord? I could go on and on about that. Because if you believe that God can't lie, it takes you to another step of faith where faith believes and understands that the kingdom of God is voice activated. It's voice activated. If the greatest prayer life you walk in is you go into your prayer closet and you pray in your mind only and never declare something from your mouth, you're missing out on the declaration part of prayer. That in the mouth of two or three witnesses, things are established. That God is looking for someone as the prophets believed, therefore they spoke the word of God. That prayer is releasing from that river, declaring over your life and speaking things out with a proud and booming voice saying, this is going to happen in Jesus' name. It's declaring something. It's voice activated. You've got to rise up. I can't tell you how many times in my life challenges have risen. Fear wants to grab you. Come dominate your thought life. All this oppression, you feel abandoned, people left you. All of these things going on and you want to internalize it and let it weigh you down until you just feel like sitting and, and just bowing out. And what they call that in the church, they call it, I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to feel like I just need to get, just focus on me for a little while. Well, when you focus on you for a little while and you take a break from the things of God, all you do is open up the door of hell to come in and dominate your thoughts once more and run you straight in the ground. A Christian doesn't cater to the enemy. A Christian rises up, looks the enemy in the eye, and says, Today, this thing breaks by the power of the anointing of God. It will turn around in Jesus' name. And I encourage people, especially in this hour, with all the junk being broadcast and every strategy of hell seeming unchecked, when that heaviness wants to come upon you, let the heaviness be the fuel to declare the truth instead. It's voice activated. Shout amen. amen. Sometimes you just got to let it out. Amen. Sometimes you just got to let the river flow. It's a river. It's got to flow. That river is loud, that river, that river gets, just, just flows. And sometimes you let, you let your spirit take over and start speaking to yourself. Everything voice activated, you, you declare a thing, you speak a thing out. Sometimes solutions come just by speaking things out. Sometimes you rebuke yourself from your own mouth. It's healing, it's powerful because you can't get offended at yourself. Right? Learn to rebuke yourself when you need to. Look yourself in the mirror and just tell yourself to get in line with the Word of God. You put your big boy pants on. Caleb, you look here, you loser. And just speak into yourself till you stir that thing back up. Say, no, bless God, I'm coming through this thing. This will not be the end. 
faith believes everything in the kingdom of God is voice activated. Why? Because if God created everything by speaking, and the same breath of creation is on the inside of me, when I speak a thing under the unction of the Holy Spirit, something is released in my life. Years and years ago, before I was the pastor of this church, I was here visiting, preaching as an evangelist. And church didn't look this way at all. It was largely different. And a girl walks in with crutches into the service. And before I could stop myself, I was just from my spirit, I just said, get up here right now. The girl just, like, just, you know, teenage girl, embarrassed, coming forward in, in crutches. I'm not even thinking of her embarrassment. I'm not thinking anything. It's just coming from my spirit, voice activated. And I said to the girl, I said, the old-time Pentecostals used to pray until the person was either healed or died. <laughs> That's what came out of my mouth. It struck the fear of God in this little girl. She's like 13 years old, and she thought I was saying, I'm going to pray until she either dies or gets healed. So she like was like, God, please heal me. This guy's going to kill me. I mean, you know, you don't even think about it in the moment. I'm just like bold. Like, you, you, you're either going to die or you're going to get hit. It's a, it's, a, it's a twisted ankle. It's a little extreme. It's not like stage four cancer, Pastor. No, actually, she's going to live. It's about a six-week recovery. Okay, chill out. No, in my spirit, I'm locked in. She takes the crutches. She throws the crutches. She starts walking. She's healed. Next day, goes to school. God healed me in church. Totally healed. And I didn't know it, but she, her family wasn't even serving the Lord. They were not Christians. They were not believers. They were in a Christian school and starting to awaken to it. And that was a supernatural moment that changed your life before she was sent back up north to live with other extended family. God grabbed her. The kingdom of God is voice activated. Amen. Sometimes you just got to open your mouth and declare something and watch God do it. Even if it strikes the fear of God in them, God can still work with that. <laughs> Who in here wants someone that'll pray like that for you, though? If you're, on your, if you're sick and in bed, you want someone that shows up that's like, you're either going to die or you're going to be healed. You have snacks, right? This may take a while. That's the kind of people you want to pray for you. Not the person that's like, yeah, okay, I'll pray for you. Lord, if it's possible, if there's any way. Lord, if you would search their heart, if, if Caleb's not a bad person. You want the person that spits on you when they pray. Amen? It's voice activated. If there's not spit flying, I don't think there's power in the room. Jesus spat on people multiple times in Scripture. So I'm literally preaching the word right now. Spitting is powerful. Amen? It's like little firing rockets right back at the enemy. Rapid fire. <laughs> Maybe the devil in the spirit realm actually has a demon trying to get at you, and you're just like, <laughs> no greater joy actually than the think you spat in the face of the enemy, right? <laughs> get out of here, you loser. You has been. <laughs> I, I, I see these things. <laughs> that brings you joy, too, to know you spat in the face of the devil. 
He showed up to he, he showed up to take you out. You were like, get up out of here. Jesus. Faith speaks. It's voice activated. And then lastly, faith overcomes. And by that I mean to tell you, faith will be challenged. It's not actually faith until it's challenged, to tell you the truth. Anything you do or operate in the realms of faith, it will be challenged. Even in what I was talking about, spitting in the face of the devil. He's not like God, and he's not everywhere, and he's not omnipresent, and he doesn't know everything. He only knows what begins to happen. And so, when you begin to move in faith, and things are growing, and, and things are breaking through, you actually do gain the attention of spiritual opposition. Demonic opposition, assignments. Paul was risen to such degree of influence and power and authority that men in the enemy's camp took a vow to not eat or not drink until Paul was dead. That's most people in this room, you, you don't have someone in Groveland literally fasting to kill you. I mean, maybe your uncle, but you know, he's always been shifty. No, you haven't, we haven't risen to that opposition. But the more you rise and do great things for God, you actually do begin, gain the attention. That's why you see in this church where we regularly pray for the generals because they are a target. If the enemy knows, I can, if I can take out a general, I can scatter the troops. Because a lot of Christians, if the general gets taken out, some of them fall by the wayside totally. They lose all sense of under, they don't even have a personal relationship with God. They just lived vicariously through someone else that did. Make a point in your life not to just be around the spirit of breakthrough, but to carry the spirit of breakthrough on the inside of you. Whether it's in this church or you're the only one in Angola, you carry that spirit, and by that spirit of Christ on the inside, I will overcome. Faith overcomes. That's the victory. It will be challenged. You will be challenged. Things will come against you. Crazy things will happen. Weird discouragement. People assigned to just, just run you out or distract you. The people assigned to pull you into temptation, into sin, to compromise. There will come attacks from hell that you've got to stay the course and realize faith will be challenged. But if I keep my eyes on Christ Jesus, I will see it through to the other side. And don't lose sight of that. That's why we don't focus on manifestations and, and signs and wonders only. We focus on the one that does the signs and wonders. Else I sell out for some wondrous thing. Keep in mind in scripture that, 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 that the children against the children of Israel, the, the Pharaoh's guys, they could turn sticks into snakes. There is the demonic power. If all you need is a gold tooth to appear and you're like, whoo, it's the Lord then God can lead you astray. How many people, and I'm not, I'm, I guess I, I didn't even hit this in the first morning service. I don't know why I'm hitting it. You can even read some of the greats that flowed in supernatural power, like Alexander Dowie, that rose up in such power and started Zion City of Supernatural Healing. In his latter days began to say he was Elijah. Where did that come from? Because he was challenged, because he was, he was thwarting the devil day in and day out. And so the enemy came, however he could, probably assigned a bunch of yes people around him to puff him up in his head till all he could think was, I'm a God. You're not a God, you're a man. You still go number two, bro. 
Because death and destruction still is working within you until you step out of this mortal and put on immortality in the glory of God. I am but a vessel that God can flow through. And every time he flows through me, what an honor, what a treat, what a delight. Father, keep doing it. But I recognize you are God and I am not. And it will challenge us will come. That's where the devil will say, you're not the one. You, 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 you're a loser. Well, praise God. All right. You're a nobody. That's right. He's everybody. I'm nothing and he's everything. I'm a nothing, but he's the all in all, the one that fills nothing with something. I am not an empty nothing. I am a full nothing. Hey. You will be challenged. But just because a challenge comes doesn't mean you turn around. Doesn't mean you say, well, there must, I must have missed God. It's going to be difficult sometimes. There's going to be times that you quit six times in one day. But somehow or another you start again. And you just keep renewing. And you just keep refreshing. I've been in ten years of ministry. In ten years of ministry, I have probably told the Lord... One more year, 27 times. <laughs> I'll give you one more year. It's like I feel confident to sign a one-year contract just in case things get rougher. <laughs> but Pastor Linda, how many times do you feel like you've wanted to quit? She didn't even want to voice it. Enough. To where if we were like in a movie with the check marks on the prison wall, there's a lot of check marks on the prison wall. Because you're challenged. Because there's times you just feel like, man, I'm, I don't want another fight. I was in a set of meetings one time, and we didn't know it, but every, every single service, someone was manifesting a demon. Talking kids growling, women screaming. Guys with eyes rolling the back of their eyes, walking around. I mean, it's like demonic stuff. Pulling them out, back into the back room, getting them set free. You're like, where do you guys pick these things up? Is there like a save-a-lot where you can buy a demon for $5 right now? Special, buy one, get eight free. What's wrong with you people? I told my wife, I was like, that's it. If I'm just done. I'm so tired. If another demon manifests, I'm done. Three people manifest that night. Now it's multiplied. Great. I remember one was a 12-year-old kid through a grown man. 12-year-old girl picks up a guy and tosses him like six feet. And they're like, you take care of it. I'm not even in full-time ministry. I don't even have a title, Bobby. I thought you were supposed to have a title. And like one of those collars. And like a cross. You know, where, where's my organ? I'm like in a t-shirt, take care of it. I'm like, he, she just, you saw that. I don't want to, you take her. But to drag that girl out, took six guys to hold her down. And I remember just walking right up. I put my hand on her head and I was like, peace. I mean, that's the first thing I could think. Cause I was like, I'm just done with this stuff. Tired of teeth snapping bodies flying and the peace of God hit this little girl and then I just cast the devil out pray with her to receive Jesus she was crying like a little kid just to turn from like a, a 
a crazy to a little kid right before your eyes. Crying and got up and was hugging me. Then her dad came in crying. Didn't know what happened and was hugging her. And you just realized you will be challenged. In fact, it's really an indication. Are you doing anything? Because if you've gone 37 years and there's never been a challenge, most likely you're living by the flesh. You're not, you're not a threat at all to the kingdom of darkness. You're not winning souls. You're not prophesying and you're not healing the sick. Because if you were, you would have risen to a place where something would be challenged in your life. Right? And so faith gets challenged. But just because there's a challenge, there's, you don't lose faith. You understand challenges come, but literally every challenge has one, one, one outcome. It always works together for good. No matter what I'm challenged with, I already know before the challenge comes how it's going to end up. I can't tell you exactly what it's going to be, but I can tell you it will be good when it's said and done. Because that's what God says, and God's not a man that he should lie. If you believe it, shout amen. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.